0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Soul Food Priest podcast with Father Ben. It's great to have you. I'm here with Kira Roddy and Sylvia Vega. How you guys doing?
1: Good, good, good. I'm great. I right? love sitting around here with you guys talking. Yeah. It's, it's fun, great. <laughs> It brings love it. so much joy to Our me. Our little
0: alcove here. Um, <laughs> I've asked you guys this before. Do you you're familiar with, with what they call you studied French? In high school. Didn't you study French or Spanish? No. Spanish. Okay. When I say the the Guy Michelin, what is this? Say it it? again. The Guy Michelin.
2: Michelin. Something with machine (laughs) now.
0: I I thought about like. It doesn't have anything to do with machines. Okay. Okay.
1: I was was thinking about the Michelin. The Michelin guide. Yes because yes. I just know that that's <laughs> does, I don't not know. machines so, I was yeah. so off <laughs> I know they're the chefs with her Michelin chefs so that's yes. all I knew and i connected good. cooking but I have no clue what Michelin is okay, so fine this, I'm in third place yeah
0: yeah it's okay all right we'll have a public embarrassing okay, this weekend at mass so um the Guy Michelin the Michelin guide they so many many years ago I think it was like in the right when people started driving um um, in like the three, four hundreds, that was years ago. Um, they people they started publishing this thing called the uh, the Michelin Guide. The Michelin Tire Company mm. started pub- publishing the Michelin Guide, and basically in a way to try to get people to go visit to drive more, so they'd mm-hmm. buy more tires, yeah. right? And so um, as time went on, they started awarding stars, one, two, and three stars. Well. This is like for people in the restaurant industry, and especially in Europe, this is like I can't even. It, it's like, you know, the divine. The, I now mean, if you I get, know
2: where I've heard that yeah. from. Yeah. Like
0: the if you get one star, then your restaurant's booked for about three weeks to a month out. Wow. If you get two stars, it's booked for about three months out. If you get three stars, it's booked for a year out. Wow. Okay. And um, so one of the guys that had three stars in the 1980s and 90s was a guy named Bernard Loiseau. Um, and um, Bernard Loiseau um, was very, very famous. Um, and, and his restaurant was right in Le Relais, right in central France. Um, and um, so he's a very, very famous chef. Mm-hmm. Most people in France know all about Bernard Loiseau and so in the 80s and 90s very famous okay I mean just massive um, said all these Michelin stars all these awards all this amazing things happen well as time went on you know he's trained in a very classical French model okay like like heavy heavy sauce butter butter you know mm-hmm. thick thick yeah. rich food well th- people started changing their diet right so they started eating differently mm-hmm. And what happened was um, they started coming to his restaurant less. Mm -hmm. He started going in debt. He started falling into depression, sadly. And 20 years ago this month, um, sadly, he took his own life. Wow. Mm -hmm. Much like Anthony Bourdain. He had not lost a Michelin star, but for many Michelin restaurant chefs, that's, I mean, a massive hit. Because it's not like you get a Michelin star and you have it forever. You have to earn it every year. oh Oh my gosh so and so if a god loses if a chef loses a Michelin star it's a massive massive hit for them right so um, and some chefs like Marco Pierre White he finally told them after he got three Michelin stars he said you know what take them away I don't want them I don't want them I don't want that kind of pressure Mm -hmm. anyway so he sadly he took his own life and but so he died 20, 20 years ago this month in uh, 2003 but it for me i was th- i was thinking about him and i was thinking maybe it'd be good for us to kind of talk a little bit about depression and suicide mm-hmm. because that's what happened with him is um is he began he, i think most would agree that know the history of of him that he really kind of tied his whole identity and self-worth up with his reputation with his kitchen, and even though he was amazing, amazing chef, super talented, right? Um, he went through depression and and sadly took his own life because people stopped coming to his restaurant. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with Anthony Bourdain, clearly he, in his own words, he suffered suffered with depression uh, in many ways, and then, um, and then a twenty twenty eighteen had taken taken yeah. his own life. But it does kind of beg the question, I think, you know, um, what does the church teach with regards to suicide? Mm -hmm. Um, And this impacts many, many people around the world. I've I've worked with many, usually every every year as a priest, I tend to have maybe three funerals for suicide, three or four uh, funerals for suicide victims but it does kind of beg the question um and um like what do we believe there what does Catholicism teach for instance people would say father like my brother took his own life is my brother in hell yeah um um and we would say absolutely not but people would they they hear this and they they're not really sure what we believe
2: mm-hmm. that's an awesome point father because i know at least from uh the hispanic heritage it's First, to even think about depression being real—it's—I uh, don't know if it's a cultural thing. Um, they'll just say, "Oh, get over it," or "You need God in your life." And yeah, we all need God in our lives, but depression is very real, and it's a sickness, and it needs to be treated. Um, and to have the family, you know, as your support system is very important. So that's one, and number two, um, if you know the person commits suicide, I think. In our culture I don't know if it's because of ignorance or because we that's what we were told when we were little for many many uh, ancestors ago you go directly to hell because you committed a sin you took your own life so um, it's great to talk about things like this and open up people's minds and say that's not the answer here you know not just because it took his own life there are a lot of levels you know if Mm -hmm. he was suffering from depression he was sick Mm -hmm. There was, you know, so it's very, very important to talk about these. So thank you for bringing this up today. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's I I think the I think one of the biggest challenges for a lot of people is that they don't have a vocabulary and they don't really know how to talk about it. And sadly, I think in from the standpoint of Catholic clergy, they never, ever, ever mention any of this Mm -hmm. in most sermons. So people don't know. And so the clergy themselves need to educate themselves on that, you know, and, um, but I think with, uh, you know, one of the things that the catechism points out um, in the 2200s is that uh, it says two things that are very, very important with regards to uh, under the section of suicide. Mm -hmm. It would say number one, um, people, they, obviously we teach, we do not encourage this. Yeah. You know, we do not encourage this whatsoever. Um, and but there's one of the things that it's it does say, say is that people often will take their life for any number of reasons. It says stress, trauma, um, for instance, it, immense physical pain. It even says torture. Mm-hmm. If somebody's going through torture, and um, if you imagine a soldier that comes back from from a war with extreme PTSD. Yeah. Um, the the difference between say Jim Jones and the Jonestown massacre, where you have a, this psychopath who led over 900 people to take their own lives and drink cyanide. There's a huge, huge difference yeah. between that and someone in the towers on on September 11th that had to choose between an inferno and 77 floors down, mm-hmm. right? Um, so there's a big big difference there right Mm -hmm. and um, so the catechism also points out that we should never ever worry about the eternal salvation of someone who's taken their own life it says we entrust their soul to God with confidence that the the mercy of God embraces them Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. and so and that's an important point because uh, a lot of people just don't know they, they've, never ta- they've never taken the time oh, totally, to learn yeah. what the church is taught. And I'll be honest with you, I've had people leave uh, the church over you know, me mentioning that. And I'm like, look, I'm not making this up. This is what we believe. Do your research, okay? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it's something very, very close to my heart because, uh, because the issues of depression and suicide are skyrocketing yeah, in well, our culture, especially it, yeah. with young people especially Mm -hmm. with young people so I'm and you know people will often shake their head and say oh that it's so sad and I'm like well look okay what we need to do is educate ourselves on this and talk Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes okay this is this is only getting worse so okay well how do we counter that we talk and we learn Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. which I can only imagine with with young people you know your developmental years and those and those developmental years especially with early teenage years and then also growing up in those early teenage years and dealing with social media mm-hmm. and the impacts of how because i mean cuz certain parts of your brain are not developed fully just yet and then you're staring at the social media in which people are Liking you or disliking you, or you know, all of those, all of those things, and how that will affect their brain, and could potentially affect their brain in the in the long run, to where they just feel despair and just experience deep, deep despair. And uh, so, I think it is an, a very important to- topic to talk about, especially with with the young, uh, because yeah. music and culture will talk even about. And encouraging
2: you
1: know suicide at times uh, and and really and really sing about the despair but almost glamorize it now lately and uh, it's really a, a sad thing to to see happening uh, to our teens
0: no question uh, recently here at st. Mike's I was telling um, our people about a guy named Justin Rosenstein mm-hmm. And in 2007, um, he was working as a software engineer at Facebook, and he said they were sitting around one day, and and he thought, you know, why don't we add a thumbs up or thumbs down, and people can say if they like something or they don't like something. And he said we were just having fun; we didn't think anything about it. And he said he said only later did they realize they had created a Frankenstein, mm-hmm. where people get depressed over how many likes and dislikes they got and they put their whole identity in this mm-hmm. and um and it it's really amazing in a, in a strange sort of way because you know especially with with uh we talk about young people but this is the same with adults mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. people a lot yeah, of their sure. identity is wrapped up in this mm-hmm. and um you know it's worth pointing out that for women statistically, and there's different numbers on this, but about 10 to 15% of women will go through sustained depression in, in their life. You know, we're talking about postpartum or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Men, it's less with, with men, but women bounce back out of it quicker, mm-hmm. and men are much more likely to commit suicide mm-hmm. than women. Okay. And, but it is worth asking, why? Mm -hmm. You know, why this gender variance with regards to depression and suicide? And there's, there's of course, different studies on this, but uh, in brief, and this is Father Ben's analysis, so take it for what you want, but women tend to have a lot more social structures that, that, Mm -hmm. that help them through these difficult times. And they tend to be more willing to ask for help than men men tend to white knuckle it i got this i got this i got this i got this and um so they that it's really important because we have to we need really need to be able to um to ask for help when we need help we need to be able to to kind of go out of ourselves. i was if i'm talking to people i always say imagine you you drop a bowling ball on a trampoline Right, And the the, the ball kind of goes down and the trampoline pulls it back up. So that's what a social structure and good yeah. habits are for someone going through extreme depression.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Is mm-hmm. that there's a pull, but then it pulls, you know, your your social structure, your prayer life, all these things add to you getting through it. But if you don't have that stuff, um, then the bowling ball goes right through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, that, that. sadly, that happens to a lot of men mm-hmm. because they just... Man, it's like pulling teeth to get a lot of dudes yeah. to ask for help, man.
2: Father, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, do we have to focus on maybe taking away the shame in admitting that someone might be stressed or depressed, and that might decrease all these suicides? I mean, take. I mean, just to begin with, taking the shame away of asking for help for if you're a guy or a woman, but I bet it's 10 times harder for a guy. You're less manly if you're weak. Um, do we have to probably start somewhere and maybe that's a good way by taking the shame away from saying, yeah, I need help?
0: No question. I, yes, no question. And part of that is developing a vocabulary where people have a voc, in other words, they're willing to talk. I mean, that is yeah. massive. And, and again, I, I put Catholic clergy and catholics they're the uh, catholics are just as guilty yeah you know but but part of it is i think it's it's really important that we don't go from one extreme to mm-hmm. the next yeah. in other words that every every time we have a bad day that we assume somebody <laughs> has sustained depression i'm like look man some days are just going to suck okay <laughs> uh, you just got to you got to get through it you know plow through it okay it was horrible welcome to life bro mm-hmm. Okay, so in other words, we don't, we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater, assume that, that my child needs sustained psychotherapy or something. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe they're just going through normal teen challenges. Yeah. And, um, and we all, we've all been there, right? Mm-hmm. So, but there are things that we look for, and, that, and especially with regards to suicide, this is vital, vital that, that Catholics educate themselves on what we teach, and also that they develop good habits good social network actually this came up immensely as you guys know during quarantine Mm -hmm. Mm, yes when people were shut down Mm -hmm. and everything was in lockdown and i mean i saw there's a lot of parents that had to deal with this i mean i don't know how you guys did with your with your children doing everything online Mm
1: -hmm. we're homebody so again it wasn't hard for us (laughs) i was lucky (laughs) <laughs> we were pretty we were pretty okay, but it was a lot of let's get outside. Yeah, let's get outside. Let's get away from the screens. Let's get let's you know, try to play a game. Let's try to you know, the yeah. uh, the importance of just making sure we're trying to create some healthy habits sure. there is and and that's and that's sometimes a struggle because I know like even for me, gosh. You know if it's cloudy outside and it's cloudy for several days I tend to like I could easily be a homebody and just curl up and just not want to do anything you know (laughs) but then I'm like I gotta snap out of it and going outside and when the sun comes out it's just oh okay wait that was just you know and so so yeah your your environment was was huge for us and making sure we had a now there were some days there were a lot of <laughs> i mean first days thing, thing i did was Oof. open
2: the blinds every single every mm-hmm. single day mm-hmm. and thankfully it was during spring and summer when yeah. we were like mm-hmm. locked down here in memphis mm-hmm. so it was great to just send the kids out outside and and we actually benefited because we were able to be together as a family the kids were able to play outside so we actually enjoyed it and instead of bringing us down, it brought us up. Mm-hmm. But I know that a lot of people are not homebodies and need to be uh, they're extroverts. they need mm-hmm. to be with other people and maybe they lived alone. So I have right. heard many people talk about, oh, ever since COVID, Well, I can't get back into my routine or ever since COVID, I got, you know, I got set back in what I was supposed to do and I haven't been able to recover. So yeah, a lot of people went through Mm -hmm. difficulties through that
1: time. Yeah. And I will admit, I mean, I'm married and have five kids. So it was just (laughs) craziness all the time. There was always people there, but I can't imagine what it would have been like if it was one, two, three, just a, just a few people yeah
2: so, personal question how do priests deal with quarantine since
1: you're always busy
2: and on the run was it hard
0: well me and jesus had lots of conversations okay. <laughs> and i he was getting i think he was probably getting sick of me you know and um we had a lot of conversations i did a lot of uh cookie baking right. and uh, things like that we and benefited from that and walked I around the, the property a lot but for for extroverts it was very challenging it was, and, and i had it very very well i had it good compared to so so many but i would say that uh, for from people like me i get energy from being around people mm-hmm. and i love it and and i can't get enough of it um on the other hand you know i've uh, there's many extroverts that suffer from depression because they know a lot of people but they don't share with anyone right and so um, they have to be able to, like with, with depression, they have to be able to, to have people they can totally vent mm-hmm. to. True. And, you know, some people are not comfortable venting. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say vent, I'm talking about like just just unloading the good, the bad, the ugly, everything in between with someone who can, who's safe. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're, gonna, they're not, they're not going to share this with 100 people. Yeah. And someone, usually somebody who knows that feeling. So this happens, for instance, with with moms, Mm -hmm. which, by the way, side note, tends to create uh, a lot of tension in marriage because, you know, guys, a lot of husbands, uh, they're they're very they're very um, shy about sharing certain things with their wives, Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: everything I tell my wife, father, she's going to go and share with all of her friends. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, um, and from a guy's standpoint, that's why he doesn't share. And then now she's irritated because he's not sharing, but he's like, dude, if I share it with her, it's her, all of her friends know. And then yeah. she's thinking, look, I need to share it because I don't want to get depressed. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. So, and, we, and we you have, know what? I, I respond that, to yeah. all that.
0: I'm like, you know what, man? Just be celibate. <laughs>
2: okay. <laughs> no, I, it's we just had easier, that, man. We had that conversation. My <laughs> husband and I, it was like okay I know there's things that you share okay this so we made a deal okay you just say you can share this and then this one you can't share this because he knew he's like they made a comment the other day did you say something but I knew I wasn't gonna so I was like okay I do share a lot of things so we made a deal okay you can definitely tell your friends this or you know what no this is private mm. because you know you're BFF I mean mm. that's like you're Wife, you know, mm-hmm. and and your husband is your husband, and and whatever your BFF tells you, your husband is gonna mm-hmm. know. So they both on each side know that they're gonna know the information. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but see, then, but and I get it, I get it, right? Because I honestly I see it from both sides. Mm-hmm. So a uh, a guy is very reluctant oh, to yeah, share things. Sure. I mean, even you know, whether it's it's over a dinner table, whether it's pillow talk, whether it's in the car, whatever you want to call it. Because I don't want it to get around. Yeah. And then she's thinking, I don't he doesn't trust me. But the point is simply to say like we all have to have people that we can vent to. And venting is not sometimes people feel guilty about this because they feel like I'm gossiping or Mm -hmm. something. And you know, there's there's that that's not always the case. I just need to talk it through and say, Hey man, what do you think about this? Mm -hmm. Am I off base here? Mm -hmm. Right? I'm having this problem with whoever it is. And but that's I mention all this because it's it's really kind of an anti-venom, I believe, to falling into depression because mm-hmm. we, we, we it, it needs to not be a powder keg.
1: And that's probably what COVID did and that isolation did with a lot of people. I mean, even married people with surrounded by five kids, you're faced now with. OK, here I am, and here's this going on, and here's all my feelings and all of that. And I don't have a lot of other things to take my mind off of these things. I don't have to be running around with the schedule and carting kids around. And I don't have my job and my all of that to, to take my mind off of some of these major hardships that we have, maybe within our own marriages or within ourselves. And there's no, there's no distraction. and We were there left to face this stuff. Yeah. And then you remove part of that communal aspect of everything. So the person I usually vent to isn't there, and you know, if I'm struggling with my spouse, then I'm just there with my spouse, and maybe not don't have that other outlet. Mm-hmm. And you know, perhaps that's that's what it was. Where quest- people might have really been questioning, like, who am I, and mm-hmm. and what what mm-hmm. am I doing, and 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 those are sometimes hard questions to face.
0: No, that's a great. That's a great point. That's a great point, Kira. And I think too. I think with men, we tend to. I'm being general, of course, when I say this, but I think a lot of men tend to cocoon mm-hmm. a little bit more. Um, men tend to be a, maybe more comfortable with solitude. Mm-hmm. Let me just process a little bit, and um, and and sometimes I think that that's a that's a good thing in the sense that like it can when they're like that, that can actually pre- help prevent them from reacting, right? And mm-hmm. responding, hopefully better, but not reacting. And so that's a good thing. What the, but I always encourage them like, okay, that's fine, man, you can do that, but you need to come out
1: mm-hmm.
0: and play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In other words, you need to come out and, and talk about this stuff. And, the, and, um, but the, a lot of times they, they, um, depression, especially with depression, because so many men associate their whole identity with what they do. Mm-hmm. And uh, women as a whole, I think it's safe to say, they tend to see much more of their personhood with regards to the the whole package of life. Mm-hmm. right and and there's exceptions, of course, but I think that's a pretty safe assessment.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. well, thank you for talking about this. I think it's a very important subject to. Uh, bring up um, in multiple occasions because it's unfortunately so real and so much out there. Mm-hmm. So um, remember, use your, you said use your, have good vocabulary, mm-hmm. speak up, mm-hmm. um, get out of the cocoon. Yeah, hold yeah. back, but then come out um, and ask for help when you feel like you need help. Don't be afraid. That's right.
0: And no, n- I think it's very helpful. I would add as a caveat to that for all of us, it's good to know our, um, are triggers. What are some of the situations True. and topics that tend to depress me? Or, or, or trigger me into depression? Like mm-hmm. for instance, let's say that a couple's going through um, infertility. And if I'm, like Julia Child went through this, and every mm-hmm. time she, was, she would pass by a couple that had a baby, mm-hmm. this is a trigger for her, mm-hmm. right? And so, okay, if this is a trigger for me, then what I need to do is I need to head that off at the pass. And either um, do my best to talk about this, or no, honey, this is the trigger for me, so I need you to help me through this, mm-hmm. right? Which is what happened with her husband, Paul. They talked about it. Mm-hmm. And so, and we all have our triggers. Uh, we all have those things. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I think it's very important, too, I would just add, uh, kind of in conclusion, it's just to say, if we've known someone that has taken their own life, the, the Catholicism teaches that we should never despair on their eternal salvation. We give them, we trust them to the Lord, and we give them to God in a great sense of, of trust in his providence. And it's one of the beautiful things about our teaching. You know, it really is. Um, obviously, we don't encourage this in any way, shape, or form. On the other hand, too, we, we have great confidence in divine mercy. Mm-hmm. It's pretty awesome. So if you have any ideas or any thoughts on on uh, different topics for us on the Soul Food Produce podcast, make sure you let us know. And please don't forget to put soul in your food and give food to your soul. God bless you.